This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Master. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra Podcast. This week, we bring you our whole conversation with Eric Schatzker, his story, the international cover story this week. It's about Huawei, but it's really about Eric in Las Vegas. It is about Eric in Las Vegas. He went undercover, but it's also about U.S. concerns about China stealing U.S. intellectual property. This is, without a doubt, the blockbuster story of the week. Yeah. A months-long investigation involving our own Eric Schatzker not being investigated, but watching <laughs> Going this undercover. whole thing unfold, a sting operation. You were there to witness it. Eric is here with us now. How did this come about? Take us back to the beginning. Well, I found out through means that I'm not willing to disclose that um, there was an investigation underway involving a very small startup based outside Chicago that's in the advanced materials industry. They're trying to develop a diamond coating that would go on top of your smartphone display, making it harder, more scratch resistant, and ideally of great appeal to the likes of Apple, Samsung, LG, HTC, the world's major smartphone manufacturers, including Huawei. And the reason this investigation was happening was because of their interactions with Huawei. They had been sending samples of their diamond glass product to a bunch of different smartphone makers. Which is typically what a supplier will do, right? Standard in the industry. Yeah. You develop a new technology. You go through multiple iterations. Once you figure that you have something that you're ready to show prospective mm -hmm. customers, you send it to them. They perform some tests. And there are rules, correct, around there sharing are that rules, sample? Yes. And in this case, the rules were you can have the sample for 60 days, and the tests that you perform have to be non-destructive. And so this company, Akon Semiconductor, sent two rounds of samples to Huawei, and we can assume that they did the same thing with other companies, which they're not willing to name, and that's understandable because they don't have a customer yet. They're still in the pre-customer, pre-revenue stage of existence. And after the second round of samples went out, the 60 days passed, and the sample didn't come back. And so they demanded that the sample be returned immediately, as you would. And the first thing they got back from Huawei was an email with a picture in it. And the picture was under magnification of the sample, and it had a big scratch through it. Now, we talk about this diamond glass as being scratch-resistant or unbreakable. It is up to a certain point. It's only very, very, very thin. It's not right. like it's a chunk of diamond, which right. would be a lot harder to scratch. <laughs> and it also wasn't in its final form. This was still a prototype. So they saw the scratch and they thought, my goodness, you know, they've violated the terms of our agreement. They've damaged the sample. And so again, you know, they persisted in asking for the sample back. It was finally returned last August, August the 2nd of 2018. And when the chief operating officer at this little startup outside Chicago opened up the cardboard box, you know, tons of safety packaging, away, yeah, right? The, if, well, it's yeah. it's a delicate it's yeah. a delicate piece of equipment. Threw away the airbags, opened up the plastic case. He realized the sample wasn't just damaged, the sample had been broken into two pieces and three shards of this diamond glass were missing. And it was at that point that he and the CEO and founder of this company, Adam Kahn, realized 
that something very bad was going on. This is not what companies do when they're engaging in good faith business. Mm -hmm. Huawei destroyed the sample for reasons that they didn't understand, but that they could surmise, and they feared the worst. Right. And the worst being that their intellectual property was being stolen. Well, that's among the range of worst possible outcomes. Yes, absolutely. That Huawei had damaged the sample in an effort to reverse engineer the proprietary processes and figure out how to put the diamond coating on the glass themselves and get to market that much faster, and in doing so, potentially destroy the commercial opportunity for Akon Semiconductor. But also, what else might they want diamond film technology for? Akon Semiconductor didn't get into this business strictly to manufacture diamond glass. They got into the diamond film or diamond coatings business because, in theory, there are a lot of potential applications. Including defense To electronics and also (laughs) to defense. If you want to get into the business of laser weaponry, either on an offensive basis or a defensive basis, you need diamond. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but diamond is a very good heat-dissipating material, and so it has particular use in defense applications as opposed to offensive applications. And so they worried that maybe it wasn't just Huawei trying to get a jump on the smartphone industry. It was the Chinese military trying to get a jump on the U.S. Army. Enter the FBI. They brought the FBI in then. They did. They did. Two weeks later, uh, the COO, this gentleman named Carl Sherboff, was at an FBI seminar The FBI Chicago field office was holding regular seminars on corporate espionage for local area executives, and he'd been going to these. So he went to another one. It happened to be two weeks later. And in a bizarre coincidence, a special agent, a female special agent at the FBI field office was was delivering a seminar on corporate espionage. And the case study was something that's now become a little more famous was Huawei's attempt to steal intellectual property from a T-Mobile lab outside Seattle in 2012. Right. And the coincidence was just too powerful for the guy. He decided right then and there, without the CEO's approval, without board approval, that he had to talk to the FBI. So he approached her during a break and briefed her on what had happened at Akon Semiconductor with Huawei. And he says that, like, the FBI took an immediate interest and things began to move very quickly. And that's a really important thing to point out because I think any of us in the normal course of our business, probably if we approach the FBI, especially if we're a small company, we think the FBI is going to sort of proverbially like pat us on our head and be like, we'll get back to you. It's going to stick in a file somewhere. And then that's not what happened. And that's not what happened. And we might also be led to believe that because the FBI has been dragged through the mud, Right. right? Politically over the recent months. But no, in this particular case, they were on it. They were on it. And they held a number of conference calls trying to ascertain, you know, the nature of their dealings with Huawei. They asked for emails. They asked for letters of intent. They asked for non-disclosure agreements, shipping records, all of that. They asked for the glass sample. They sent it to the research lab in Quantico, Virginia, where it was analyzed on a subsequent conference call. The Akon executives listened to an FBI forensic gemologist explain that after testing the sample himself, he'd concluded that Huawei had blasted it with a military-grade laser. That made them that much more concerned about what was going on behind the scenes. But what also became clear 
is that the FBI, in order to keep the investigation running, didn't want them to break off contact with Huawei. In fact, at a certain point, they asked them to reinitiate contact with Huawei so that the FBI could listen into a conference call, effectively bug the conference call, and have these Acon executives ask questions. What happened to the sample? Where did it go? And in the course of this conference call, they learned that the sample had actually gone to China. And that's a very important point to make because of what we were discussing. Right. Diamond coding with its applicability to military applications is on a restricted list. It's not allowed to leave the country. It's regulated by a regime called the International Traffic in Arms Regulations. And so if, in fact, it had gone to China and they had very good reason to believe that it did – that would have been breaking American law. Right. So take us now to the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas and yes. what happened. Well, kind I'll of just... Kind operation? Or that too evolved out of the conference call. On the same conference call that a Huawei representative admitted that the sample had gone to China, she indicated that Huawei wanted to continue conversations. And it was very difficult to figure out, like, who's playing who here we're trying to lead Huawei. We, as in Akon, is trying to lead Huawei down the garden path so that the, the, that the FBI can gather more information. Huawei, it seems, at the same time, is trying to play Akon, play Akon in order to get a little further along and learn more about their proprietary processes. So they set up this meeting at the Consumer Electronics Show, and that's where I happened to be, uh, where they wired up the chief operating officer, Carl Sherboff, with a bunch of recording devices, covert surveillance devices. And initially, they were going to have this meeting in a room at the Consumer Electronics Show. But an hour before the meeting was supposed to happen, the Huawei representatives suddenly, and maybe suspiciously, changed the location of the meeting to the food court at the Venetian Casino. (laughs) And that ultimately is where the sting went down. And you saw it. I watched the two groups meet, the Akon executives with the the Huawei executives. I watched them walk toward the food court. I don't know who ultimately made the decision, but they walked into a fast, casual restaurant called Prime Burger. And Prime (laughs) Burger is where the sting went down. And I was standing about 100 feet away trying to look inconspicuous by a gelato stand. (laughs) (laughs) And so where does it stand? What happened? Well, the FBI, thanks to the surveillance equipment that Carl was wearing, recorded both audio and video of this of this interaction. Uh, there were discussions there, again, about where the sample had been. The Huawei representatives who were there claimed ignorance about the damage and how it got to China and all of that, but they kept pressing for more detail about Akon's operations. Again, trying to get a little right. further along up the value chain, understanding how they're able to engineer the diamond film. And a couple of, not even a couple of weeks later, that was on January, yes, as a matter of fact, about 20 days later, that was on January the 9th. And on January the 28th, uh, the FBI conducted a raid, executed a search warrant on Huawei operations in San Diego, which is where the sample had originally gone from Akon to Huawei in San Diego, gathered further evidence, and now we're waiting to find out what the government does. 
And that was at the same time, right? That U.S. Oh yes, the coincidence there out. is pretty powerful too, because right. that's the very same day that uh, the FBI and the Justice Department announced two multi-count indictments against Huawei. One being against the company, and again, its CFO against its CFO for allegedly violating U.S. sanctions against doing business in Iran, and the other had to do with that alleged theft right. of intellectual property, the T-Mobile Lab, back in 2012. Wasn't Huawei also kind of suspicious? During um, was it the meeting in the restaurant? Didn't didn't one official at some point say something like, "This is you know the, the Huawei knows is under scrutiny," and I yeah. guess the Acon, one of the Acon executives said something at one point. Uh, such that one of the Huawei representatives wondered aloud right. whether their meeting was being observed or monitored yeah. by the U.S. government. And so, I mean, one of the things that you can do at this point is start to put the pieces of the puzzle together. You have those two multi-count indictments against Huawei on the same right. day you have a search warrant executed on a, a, you know, a Huawei facility in San Diego. It seems pretty clear that the government is building a very large case. Right. Against the company, whether or not everything results in indictments isn't clear, but they are highly interested in what Huawei well, is doing when it comes to various ways of allegedly breaking uh, U.S. law. And it's been many years that they've been looking into this company. Let's just remind everybody, right? It's I mean, for Huawei some people, has this has been this has taken while. way too long. Yeah. Back in 2012, the House Intelligence Committee uh, compiled a very long report on the basis yeah. of. Uh, investigation and confidential testimony. And the conclusion of that report was that Huawei and, I should say, ZTE presented national security threats to the United States and urged that report urged the government and American business not right. to buy equipment from Huawei. It is one of the reasons why you can't get a Huawei phone in the United States. It's one of the reasons why the major telecom carriers in the United States don't carry any Huawei equipment. The company isn't officially banned from doing business in America. Right. Uh, but that is one of the places that this may go. You'll recall a few months ago, that's effectively what the Trump administration did to ZTE. Right. Didn't just ban it from doing business in America, banned it from being supplied by American companies. Yeah. And it was brought to its knees until yeah. that decision was reversed. Who knows what's going to happen? This could result in an indictment. It could result in an arrest. It also could go nowhere. Uh, but what we do know is that the government is taking a very, very close look at Huawei. That was Eric Schatzker giving us the whole scoop on his international cover story in Bloomberg Business Week this week. A great story. This is Bloomberg.